welcome to Not Your Mother's Library, a reader's advisory podcast. I'm Rachel. And I'm Melody. And today we're going to be talking about the science of death. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> right on cue. <laughs> We've done that every single episode. I think so. Wait, I, maybe bar one. You may have to go back and listen, guys, yeah. and try to find the Easter eggs. Yeah. <laughs> So uh, we just want to give a little forewarning about this episode. Um, if you haven't guessed by the title, um, we are going to be talking about death, uh, decomposition, and details about what happens to the body after death. So if you're starting to feel a little squeamish or are uncomfortable with this topic, um, this is your warning. This is probably not the episode you want to listen to, but we have a recommendation for you. <laughs> um, last month's episode, episode five, it's called Get Happy, is a really great place to go to. Definitely. If you're, if you're looking for some feel-goods. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. All right. So before we jump into our recommended reads for today, we did want to talk a bit about our concepts of death and how we kind of feel about it in general to ease our way into this very dark topic. We're just jumping right in. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) So I think that people are most always uncomfortable when confronted by death. It's Mm -hmm. one of the absolutes in all of our lives, but we tend to distance ourselves from the very idea of not being around at some point. Yeah. Uh, The simple truth is that, yes, we're all going to go. Still, either out of fear or grief or something else, there seems to be a lot of misconception about what exactly happens to our mortal coils after we, you know, shuffle them off. (laughs) (laughs) So today we're going to talk about some of the books that you can read to get a better grasp on death. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I myself am not really bothered by mortality as a big, huge, overarching concept. It's difficult to articulate, I think, uh, what, whenever you think about something as all-encompassing as that. It's just such a large concept. Like, how do you put yeah. it into words? And, and a very unknown. It's a yeah. complete mystery. Mm-hmm. If I think of someone I know or someone who is close to me emotionally, the, the thought of them dying makes me feel devastated, obviously. Mm-hmm. And when you're brought face-to-face with the reality of those dying by tragic means, It is upsetting in every possible way. But maybe that's more to do with the reason, means, and mode rather than the death itself. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, When it comes to the fact that one day I'm going to die, I don't really feel afraid or upset about it. It just is what it is. And I realize that that's not how a lot of people feel. And that's okay, too. There's no right or wrong way to feel about it, I think. Right. I think however you feel, your feelings are legitimate. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I... I think as as a human being, I do have a fear when I think about death. Mm-hmm. Um, but also as a, I mean, I'll just be personal. Um, as a as a Christian, I do have some peace about it because I have this faith about what will happen after I die, or at least knowing that, um, you know, there is hope for me afterwards, and it's not the end all for me, which is a little scary. To sure. think about, yeah. <laughs> especially if you're not necessarily happy with how your life is going. And if you think that death is the end, mm-hmm. that can be a little disconcerting. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm very thankful for me that I have some peace about that because it, while it is unknown and it is possible, I may be wrong. Um, and, you know, I've come to accept that and that's okay, you know, mm-hmm. because I, it still gives me this peace. And if I'm wrong, then I'm wrong. And if I'm right, then... You know, I, I feel like I, I will, something good will come afterwards. Um, but yeah, I can definitely see 
why people of many faiths mm-hmm. have more hope about death can be a lot more peaceful. I actually had a family member um, pass away uh, within the past couple months who was pretty young and had a, a, a an illness that was causing a lot of suffering. Um, and while it was really sad that he is no longer here, I think there's a lot of peace and kind of some relief that he's not suffering anymore. Sure, yeah. sure. So those kinds of deaths, while very difficult, especially for mm-hmm. the loved ones left behind, I think still there is some some hope in knowing there's there's no more suffering. Right. And I think that can be accepted by all people, even those who don't have faith. Like I myself do not. Mm-hmm. But I think that that's, you're right, there is a peace in thinking that once you're dead, you're gone and anything that happens, you, you don't have to suffer from anymore in yeah. this form. At right. Least. Right. Yeah. Um, the trickier bit for me is that I am squeamish. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so mm-hmm. the other side of this, uh, that aspect of physical det- decay is probably difficult for many people to come to terms with. Yeah. Our minds want to go on living, right? Right. Uh, so when it gets the whiff of death, it sort of reels away from it. Yeah. Out of self-preservation. Uh, I don't think I'll ever get over that sort of instinctual fear of corpses. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. Anyway, there's no way we're going to be able to get into all the nitty gritty of this right. topic. Yeah, yeah. People have tried to explore death with philosophy, religion, and ritual pretty much since we first emerged as a species. So for this podcast, let's just do the best we can. Yeah. <laughs> I think also that while you can logically tell yourself, oh, it, the person is gone. Mm-hmm. It's just a body. They're no longer alive. There's that instinctive response right. to, you know, like the horror. Yeah, horror. I say whiff of death, and I mean the yeah. actual smell of yeah. a corpse. And you can't reason yourself right. out of your instinctive reaction to mm-hmm. it. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's very interesting. This is going to be a fun discussion. I am so looking forward to it. <laughs> All right. So, Rachel, do you want to get started? Yeah, okay. yeah. Moving on to our episode's reads, I wanted to talk about a book called Smoke Gets in Your Eyes and Other Lessons from the Crematory. Crematory? I usually say crematory, but who knows? Yeah. There's no way in the first bit. We should also crematory. disclaim this. Neither one of us are scientists. <laughs> We're librarians. Correct. So if we mispronounce things yeah. or explain Although we did study wrong. English, so there's no yeah. excuse. <laughs> We're just bad at language. <laughs> anyway, Smoke Gets in Your Eyes is by Caitlin Doty. I came across her YouTube channel called Ask a Mortician about five years ago. In general, Caitlin's goal is to boost death positivity by doing Q&As about the industry, shining a light on how people have interacted with the dead in the past, and drawing awareness about modern funerary options in order to make the process less intimidating. Mm. And by process, I mean, yes, the rites and rituals, but also the process of death itself, namely decomposition. Some of my favorite segments on Caitlin's channel are part of her iconic corpses series, where she walks viewers through the history of famous dead bodies, like those of Lady Di and Vladimir Lenin. Uh, it's weird stuff, but also a bit thought-provoking. That is really interesting. Yeah. So, does she show anything on her channel? She does, yeah. She not like, ah, I'm in my living room talking into a camera for this vlog, and oh, there's a corpse right next to me. But she does bring up images, so okay. I guess a bit of a trigger warning. She does give loads of trigger warnings herself, okay. too. So, if yeah. you're ever worried, just head on in, and she'll take care of you. Nothing okay. to worry about. I'm just curious about, because it's a YouTube channel, that yeah. is visual. Mm -hmm. Yeah, interesting. Definitely. And she's traveled to a lot of these places herself. Uh, So a lot of the photos she 
owns, which okay. is really interesting. Yeah. It's not just a, a Google search, which she also does, yeah. because some of her videos are about uh, like the Everest corpses, which has oh, been yes. in the media a lot lately. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously, she can't climb Everest herself with a video right. camera to, right. for her vlog. Yeah. Right. I mean, I guess she could, but <laughs> I wouldn't recommend it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's my understanding that Caitlin has received a fair amount of backlash from other profess- professionals in the field for being so open and advocating so heavily to have average, everyday people take part in caring for the dearly departed. Hmm. Um, By watching any one of her videos, it's obvious that not only is she knowledgeable about all things traditionally macabre, but she's also dedicated to uprooting the lies told by some of the others in the profession. Hmm. For example, did you know that you don't have to hire a funeral home to take care of a deceased person's body this is something i learned while we were reading for this episode yeah Mm -hmm. Uh, i sound like a promotional hack (laughs) (laughs) did you know (laughs) you do have to hire a funeral home in certain areas like uh if you want them to interact with the crematory or the cemetery and you want to have your corpse sent there they Mm -hmm. do have to act as a sort of intermediary but you do have rights where you can clean and clothe the body yourself okay um but uh, yeah for things like transportation or actually filing the death certificate yeah that's sort of illegal and in some states they do have to take part but even with that you do have a lot of say in how things go yeah so do your research and make sure you know before you go (laughs) (laughs) oh my gosh like the tagline yeah I, it's just food for thought or yeah. worms i guess oh my God. i'm so sorry <laughs> uh. hmm. as for smoke gets in your eyes the book is pretty much autobiographical it's all about caitlin's journey to becoming a mortician with an alternative funeral practice in california hmm. if you want a taste of the style i would suggest watching an episode or two of ask a mortician since the tone is very similar uh, I recommend Smoke It's In Your Eyes to anyone curious about the death industry's inner workings or anyone who just wants an insider's perspective on this truthfully unavoidable aspect of our culture. Mm-hmm. Uh, the author writes a bit about death history and practices around the world, too, which is always pretty cool. Uh, it's also a decent coming-of-age story, the book itself, I mean, not the YouTube channel. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I found the author relatable, and her sense of humor comes through on every page. Mm. Caitlin also did a TED Talk a couple of years ago about eco-friendly burial. So if you're, you can't be bothered to read her book, I highly recommend taking 10 minutes to watch that. Mm. Mortality can be a bit of a taboo topic, especially in our society. Yeah. So making it something that people are no longer afraid to discuss is, I think, a healthy goal. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah. I would agree. Um, I haven't read it myself, but a recommended read is Caitlin's second book titled From Here to Eternity, Traveling the World to Find the Good Death. Also check out her website, orderofthegooddeath.com, to join the death positivity movement and ease yourself into accepting dying as a natural progression of life. (laughs) Again, promotional hack. Yeah, I think they need a shorter title. (laughs) Yeah. Death positivity movement. There are a lot of taglines going on. Yeah, yeah. Uh, But also I wanted to shout out to the Order's own podcast called Death in the Afternoon. So get a little podcast love going around. Yeah. yeah. Death in the afternoon. That's a, that's a good title. Yes. <laughs> okay. Um, so that actually feels a little bit similar to the book that I read. Um, 
The book I read is called Stiff, The Curious Lives of Human Cadavers by Mary Roach. Again with the taglines. Yes. <laughs> um, and Mary Roach is a, a science writer, but she's a she has a really humorous feel, and she's got quite a few um, books that talk about kind of taboo topics in a um, very easy-to-understand way f- for people who aren't scientists. Um, so this this is a really easy read, this book. Um, I'm someone who's not really interested in science, and I pretty much understood, like, 98% of what she was talking about. Um, I guess we would call this science from the amateur's perspective. Um, and so in this book, she talks about what happens to the body after death. And there are many options happening. Um, one of the things she really starts off with, which, um, I would say I, I think is, is uh, legitimate and I would probably agree with is that she is pretty pro donation mm-hmm. for science research after death. Um, she, she argues that it's very practical for, uh, to help scientists and doctors, um, train and, um, learn and they can, um, do research and a practice surgery on someone who it's not going to ruin the rest of their life, yeah. if that makes sense. Um, so she, she kind of starts off with that very pro, pro donate your body to science. You know, I've heard that it can be quite difficult to have your body donated to science after death. It, like legally, there's I, a lot of stuff I going believe on. it could because I, I don't even know how I would go about no. it. I know you can do organ donation pretty easily mm-hmm. um, with your driver's license, right? But to donate your entire cadaver, <laughs> yes, I'd have to look into that because yeah. that is that would be interesting. Um, she also just asks the reader to think about, which I, I honestly don't don't think many people do, to ask yourself, what do you want for your body after death? Which is scary to think about. Um, but, I mean, the, you have a few options. Your body can decompose. Mm-hmm. Um, or you your body can be donated for research or science. Um, but why not be useful? Right. After death, you can still be, you know, be a positive influence in the world somehow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. this And she doesn't, like, push-push donation, but she just very logically says, think about it. Um she also talks about, um, she gives some really, I don't want to get too grotesque here. <laughs> Please but, do. <laughs> but she talks about visiting a lab where um, doctors are practicing plastic surgery. Oh. Um, and when you're pra- practicing that, you really all you need is the face or a head. <laughs> See where this is going? You don't need all of the other parts. Right. And the other parts can go to someone else who needs to study something else. So she goes into this this um, session and there's all these heads. And they do try to be very respectful yeah, as they're doing it. It still has to be pretty surreal to yes. walk into a room and be confronted by that, even knowing what it's going to be going in. Yes. And she talks about how um, difficult it can be for the doctors or scientists because... Either they can really over-personalize it and it becomes such a burden to them, realizing this is a person, it's a human being, what was their life like? Um, Or they can overly um, kind of become blocked off Mm -hmm. so that they don't have to deal with that um, and objectify the part. I think there's probably a balance in between somewhere. Um, And that kind of thing is useful 
I mean, if I had to go in for plastic surgery, I would want an experienced surgeon. Right. Um, and part of that is studying and practicing. So um, she also called, talks about this thing called a body farm. Have you heard of this? I have not. This is a little bit worse. Oh, dear. <laughs> um, so it's where they observe the process of natural decomposition. Yeah, I actually have heard of this, yes. I think. Mm-hmm. Body farm is just such a intense term. It is. <laughs> and I, it's, I would call it like a decomposition graveyard or uh-huh. something. Yeah. Um, but they just put, put bodies out in this location and just observe and take note of what's happening. Um, and that is very useful for things like figuring out when a person died, if, you know, foul play was involved, sure. how long it was. So that, that kind of thing. For CSI kind of stuff. Yes. Mm-hmm. And like you said, the, what did you say? The whiff of death. Mm-hmm. That's part of it too. Okay. <laughs> we don't need to go any more into it. Um, but it's a really good read. I recommend it. Um, she does use humor quite a bit. And I think that kind of takes the edge off of thinking about death and what right. happens to the body yeah. after dying. So yeah, it's a fascinating read. I would also recommend, she has a few novels. I just uh, took one title to recommend. It's called Gulp, Adventures on the Alimentary Canal. Um, and that's sort of about the science of eating and digestion and mm-hmm. how you put fuel in your body and what happens after you put fuel in your body. Um, so it's kind of about... She, the concept is that the body is essentially a canal. <laughs> Food comes in and it goes out. <laughs> One way or the other. Yeah. And she, she's got a really um, humorous uh, attitude about her books. So mm-hmm. I, that would be a really good read that I would recommend. Um, the other recommendation I have is called, it's also a podcast. It's called This Podcast Will Kill You. Should I put another dun dun dun? Maybe. <laughs> so I discovered this a while ago, and it's essentially a podcast about different diseases and illnesses. And it's very, it's just absolutely fascinating. Um, so it's hosted by uh, Aaron Welsh and Aaron Allman Updike. Um, they're ecologists, and they talk about infectious diseases and illnesses, and they always have. Um, a cocktail recipe at the beginning of each episode, um, which is interesting. And they, so they talk about diseases from their history to their biology and then how concerned you should be. <laughs> yeah. From meh to very. Yes. It's really fascinating. Um, you know, if you're on a drive and you just want to be horrified or really interested, <laughs> I recommend that. Nice. Yeah. Uh, well, we also wanted to talk about a film that Melody recommended to yes. me, uh, and I watched it for this podcast. <laughs> it's an independent film called Third Star. It's about an hour and a half long, and it came out in England in 2010. It stars Benefit Cumberbund, J.J. Field, Tom Burke, and Adam Robertson. If you're at all an Anglophile, you know that these actors are all very, very British. Very, very yes. British. I mean, you probably know Bendy Pitt Conundrum from Sherlock, The Hollow Crown, or The Imitation Game. All are popular works from out of the UK. Um, and I have hesitation with this movie uh, because it broke me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Melody, I, I do have to thank you because, of course, it, like I said, absolutely decimated yeah. after watching. Yep. I mean, it's so powerful and yes. so good, but holy yes. cow. Yeah. 
uh, it, it can be difficult to watch. Mm-hmm. It's uh, a story about how uh, a man here portrayed by Benadryl Cabbage Patch, he has terminal cancer and chooses to go on a fairly arduous trip to the Welsh coast with three of his closest friends while he's still healthy enough to do so. Mm-hmm. Uh, the relationship between these guys is central to the, sco- to the story, but it's also about how they keep on pushing through things with their friend. Uh, like I said, Melody recommended I watch it for this episode because it deals with dying on your own terms. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't really spoil the ending because even if you know how it ends, and listeners can probably guess, uh, you'll have to watch the film all the way through to be properly impacted by its message. I agree. Yeah. Did you have anything you wanted to say? Yeah. I've got more. But, yes. Oof. So I, um, I watched this movie for the first time a few years ago. Um, alone. <laughs> Same. <laughs> yes. Which I don't know if I, re- well, in some ways I would recommend it because I, you know, I, I had a bit of reaction, <laughs> which it was better I was alone. Um, but I rewatched it last night, actually, because I knew we were going to be talking mm-hmm. about it today. Um, and it still has a very profound uh, feel to it. Mm-hmm. And I, I think, um, like you say, it's very much about the characters and their relationships and also just kind of the tone of it. It's not super plot driven, um, but it's really focuses on the things that matter, I would say, because of, because of the terminal illness. Um, yeah. You just move past all of that superficial stuff that's not important mm-hmm. and get right mm-hmm. to like what relationships matter what's important in the relationship that yeah. you like work through or just don't talk about what are you doing with your life what's worth it yeah it's yeah. just really it escalates to that level yeah. very quickly yeah at different points throughout the film right i would also say it's just a really beautiful film oh yeah, yeah. for sure it's filmed really really well yeah i mean we're we're talking it's this is heavy material mm-hmm. we're talking about but it's beautiful and gorgeous mm-hmm. so when you're in a good place, <laughs> I would recommend watching this. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, like you were saying, it, I mean, it, it is a trip that they, they go on and they're enjoying themselves, right? But then it can, it can take a turn really fast. Mm-hmm. Um, at one point, one of Benedict Slumberhatch's friends, <laughs> this one portrayed by J.J. Field, says, It disgusts me. It shocks me. I couldn't physically be around it. And I don't really know if he was talking about his friend's illness or the way others have been treating him due to that illness Mm. or if it's the grief of his impending death that takes the cake yeah Um, one way or the other i think that accurate accurately represents what it's like for an onlooker when they go through something like that yeah Uh, the film deals with death and the loss which spreads around it in a very real way bendy cat cookie batch's character talks (laughs) about death as a magic science we barely know anything about like dark matter Mm. and i'm prone to agree that there's what happens physically, but this story looks inward and gets into the mystery of what happens to, I guess, your consciousness once you die. Others would view it as a soul. Yeah. Uh, Burlington Crumplesnatch asks his <laughs> friends what they think happens when we snuff it. And that's a direct quote. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and one of them, again, JJ's character, says, I think Who there's keeps... nothing. Sorry, just tell me to interrupt. But he was amazing <laughs> in this movie. JJ. JJ. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's one of his strongest works. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Keep going. No, please. Sorry. That's fine. <laughs> uh, like I said, he says, I think there's nothing that you'll rot and that's it, which is as valid of you as any, but what others believe doesn't really matter. 
Third Star asks that question, and it asks it of its viewers. Mm. I think we don't need it answered so much as we need it to be asked, to confront it and accept that no matter what, whether we rot and that's it, or if you think there's more to it, so long as we don't shy away from that discussion, we might be able to come to terms with death mm. as it is rather than as a dark, horrible, looming thing yeah. that a lot of people are in desperate fear of. Right. Yeah, I would agree. Um, actually, that kind of leads into the next thing that I watched, which sure. was also, um, it was a show called Endgame. It's on Netflix. There's a space between end and game. It's not the Avengers Endgame. <laughs> Good to know. That's another episode. <laughs> yeah. Um, but so that actually focuses on four terminally ill patients who are in palliative care, which is like um, hospice. So it's it's care to kind of give them the best of the rest of their life. Um, and it really is, like you're saying, um, it asks, it forces you to ask the question, what happens after death? What does it mean? There's no clear answer. Mm-hmm. But it's just giving, getting you to accept that it's coming, mm-hmm. especially for the families in, in this um, show. So th- it's a documentary. It follows these patients, and it also follows their um, family and caregivers. And I have to say, the caregivers and volunteers in this documentary are amazing. They would have to be, yeah. They're so compassionate, but also very realistic. They don't try to sugarcoat anything. Mm-hmm. Um, it's... This is a it's a shorter documentary. It's about forty minutes. Um, and while it's difficult, kind of like Third Star, it's very beautiful, and I would recommend watching it. Um, so, some one of the things that the doctors have to do is talk about the difficult decisions about care and death and after death with the family or the people who are ill who don't have family with them. Um, you know, when it's getting close, do can we remove the the tubes and not do CPR if we think it's going to be time. Um, after you're dead, can can we study your body and this disease in the hopes that we'll find a cure in the future and prevent someone else from going through it? And that's not an easy question to ask of a family member. There's a a scene where the doctor is asking a mother. Her her um, daughter is probably like in her forties or fifties and. Mm is terminally ill and they ask the mother would you consider allowing us to study this disease and the mother said I want to know specifically what you want to do Oof. yeah and so he explained well we would open her up and remove the organs that are affected by the disease and then close her back up and you would be able to proceed with whatever arrangements you want at that point sure um, and the mother says, as a mother, I cannot think about a letting you do that to my daughter. Mm-hmm. But also as a mother, I can't imagine another mother going through this. And if this could help, um, and it's a difficult decision. She doesn't decide. Yeah. I was going to say, it sounds like an impossible decision. Yeah. And we don't know what she decided mm. and that's okay. That's personal. Yeah. yeah. Um, and that's difficult, but it's it's handled so beautifully and gracefully. Um, one of the lines that someone says is, grief is difficult, but also beautiful. And the heart of um, these experiences with these people who are almost near death and with their loved ones, the heart of it is love for each other. Mm-hmm. 
And that's what really matters. Mm -hmm. Um, There's also a doctor in this documentary who just comes across as this amazing person. His name is Dr. B.J. Miller. Um, He works at the Zen Hospice Project in San Francisco. He's um, a palliative care physician. And he... um, do you call it a paraplegic? He both his legs were amputated below the knee, and one arm was I believe so. Yes, amputated below the elbow. So he was in an accident at eighteen, wow. and lost both legs and one arm. And he's now this amazing doctor who is so compassionate with his patients, and he just wants to give them a graceful end of life mm-hmm. situation. He's this fascinating person. Um, he has a TED talk which I would recommend. It's called B.J. Miller, What Really Matters at the End of Life. And he talks about how to create a dignified, graceful end of life for patients. And he asks big questions about how we think about death and honor life. So highly recommend. I would go check him out, Mm -hmm. read his TED Talk. He seems like a very compassionate, um, caring individual. He, he just really made an impression on me. I really want to watch Endgame now. Yeah, I so, recommend it. Yeah. It's, and it's short, and while it's heavy, it's still just beautiful. It's, it's really beautiful. Um, the other recommendation I have is um, also a Netflix show called Ex- Extremis. Um, it's about, I think it's a little more harsh than Endgame, I would say. Uh, it's the difficulty of making end-of-life decisions in the ICU, and it follows one doctor there um, who has these discussions with patients and their family members. Um, I would say it's a little bit heavier than Endgame, mm-hmm. um, but it's similar. Okay. Yeah. So, heavy stuff. Yeah. <laughs> For sure. Um The other things I kind of wanted to talk about, we were discussing this uh, podcast episode with uh, Sarah, who's been on the podcast before, um, and she shared all of these resources about different options for um, that are kind of alternative to the normal funeral home being cremated and buried. Right. The two big ones we're familiar with. Yes. Um, so I just wanted to talk about a few of them because I think some of them are fascinating and I think it's just a good idea to open up your mind to other options that you might have sure. after death. Um, and some of them are just really fascinating. So there's, um, this thing called a Capsula Mundi project. I think I'm saying that right. Um, again, we studied English, not Latin. Yes. <laughs> Um, where bodies or ashes, they call them cremains, are placed in a biodegradable egg, quote-unquote, um, for burial. And a tree <laughs> is planted above the egg, and um, body decomposition fertilizes the growth of the tree. So I went to this website, and <laughs> you just go to the webpage, and there's a picture of a person holding, like, hugging a tree, and the captions say... I love you, Grandma. And then there's someone with, like, their hand on the tree, and it says, how you've grown. <laughs> and one says, hi, Dad. You know, uh, this is interesting because I believe Caitlin Jody talks about this kind of thing in one of her Q&As. And I think it might actually be a bit of a scam because oh. ashes are what remains after every, oh, the things that can decompose oh, okay. have been burned away. Okay. So they're not actually fertilizing anything. Right. That's yeah. fascinating. You're probably right. Yeah. I mean, don't quote me on it. Do your research, folks. Right. <laughs> but I think, I'm pretty sure that's, yeah. Yeah. 
So it's just the concept, maybe. Yeah, Mm -hmm. it's kind of a beautiful way to send off your family. Yeah, that's interesting. (laughs) By creating growth after death. But if you really wanted to create growth after death, consider natural burial. Well, that's there's another option where you can um, be part of this thing called an eternal reef. Okay. And it's again the ashes, um, cremains. They're used to make these things called reef balls, which are like these huge concrete balls with holes in them. And they're placed in the ocean floor um, as uh, coral grief. Coral reef. Coral (laughs) Coral grief. grief. (laughs) That's another story. Uh (laughs) Um, They promote coral reef growth. Nice. Um, And again, the ashes aren't actually fertilizing Mm -hmm. anything. But they're part of something that right. is promoting it's life. It's the idea that matters. Yes. Um, what I read, this is not super cheap. Um, it's about 4000 or 7000 mm-hmm. where the range is. Um, but you can, family members can go scuba diving and visit oh, wow. the, the reef. Yeah. Yes. So that's another option. Um, another one that I liked, which, again, it's not... Um, I knew it was going to come up. It's not the circle of life. <laughs> Lion King reference. Uh-huh. Um, Apropos. Yes. It's not, um, you know, re-contributing to growth after death. But there's another uh, option called memorial fireworks where your cremains can be um, put into fireworks and then there can be a ceremony, which uh, apparently is really popular with veterans. Mm-hmm. So... Um, then your family and loved ones can come and see you become a firework, and there's In a, a beautiful ceremony. Yeah, beautiful ceremony, yeah. and there's music, so that's an option too. Hmm. Um, moving on to something maybe a little bit more uh, icky. <laughs> well, <laughs> yes, that too, but also um, the little part of the circle of life. Yeah, is um, there's a TED talk called "My Mushroom Burial Suit" by Jay Rimley, or Jai Rimley, I'm not sure how to say that. Um, So she designed this burial suit to cultivate edible mushroom growth, and it feeds off of toxins in the human body. So this is natural burial, um, no embalming Mm -hmm. or anything like that. Um, And in her TED Talk, she really tries to reshift our view on death. So moving from denial, because I think that's what a lot of people immediately go to. To the idea of body preservation, to acceptance, to embracing our part as biological beings in the environment Mm -hmm. and promoting environmental growth. Um, And she calls this a way to commit our bodies to a cleaner, greener earth after death. And I think that's a really fascinating option, too. Mm -hmm. Because one of the things, again, Caitlin, I'll bring her up again because she's so big in the industry. Yeah. She talks about uh, how people are kind of released to being flogged the idea of having your body embalmed after death and put into a sealed casket to better preserve you. But Mm -hmm. in the end, the fluids used for embalming are horrible for the Mm -hmm. earth and very damaging, and it's not going to preserve you, guys. You're going to still rot. Right. (laughs) So the idea of natural burial seems like a way better option. Yeah. And so when I listened to this TED Talk, and she specifically said edible mushrooms. Yeah. I got a little creeped out, uh-huh. just to be honest, because, you know, you're thinking about, well, my body is feeding the mushroom, which can feed a human being. Mm-hmm. But um, when I was listening to um, the book by Mary Roach, Stiff, she talked about um, 
uh, I think a funeral home director who was listening to a talk about some kind of similar um, environmentally friendly burial option. And he argued that it felt unclean, I guess. Mm. I don't remember the, all of the details. But the the counter argument was, um, well, oh, oh, so he was saying that if you bury them, something about the water in the body, not being able to share it with other people. I'm not remembering the details at all. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> but I remember the counter argument was, well, if you think about it, water evaporates and the water that's in your body will eventually make it into mine. You know, we're mm-hmm. sharing everything. Yeah. You know, human skin cells are falling off all the time. Yeah. I'm sure we're eating them, probably. In the air right now. Yeah. Nom, nom. <laughs> <laughs> so while it's gross to think about edible mushrooms feeding off the yeah. decomposing body, it is already kind of happening in some ways. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. maybe it's better to be more honest about it and realistic. Yeah, yeah. Um, Interesting. Yeah. So a couple other options, and these are not necessarily environmentally friendly, but these are more um, uh, memorial friendly. So sure. if if you've lost someone that you re- you really want to be as close to them as possible, there are things called memorial diamonds. So cremains are used to make diamonds out of um, crystallized carbon, and you can get um, 0.3 carat or two carat diamonds, depending on the, on the amount of time you want it to be used to make mm-hmm. and how much money you want to spend. But you can get a diamond made out of a loved one or even an animal. Sure, for pets. Yeah, so that's an interesting option too. Um, there's also a company that I saw that makes ornaments out of the same kind of uh, material, but the ashes are used to make uh, 3D printing material and then they make wow. ornaments out of them. Interesting. Yes, which seems odd. You know, you yeah. put up your Christmas tree and there's grandpa. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it's also odd, I think, to have an urn with ashes in it, too. Mm-hmm. You know, it's similar. Yeah. Just something we're not used to as right. a culture. Right. And then the last thing I wanted to talk about, because we are in the Milwaukee area, and this is a more realistic option for people who are here, mm-hmm. um, is at Forest Home Cemetery in Milwaukee. They offer a green burial option in their prairie rest, which is um, kind of like a a prairie with wildflowers and trees and prairie grasses. Um, And you're buried naturally, and then the deceased enrich the habitat growth. Um, They're affordable spaces. You can get single spaces. And then they have boulders in another area where you can put, like, a plaque to memorialize where you are. Nice. Um, And they put you in biodegradable caskets, and they don't use embalming fluids. Um, It's all very natural. Mm -hmm. So that's a a very realistic option if you want to be part of that circle of life, as we've been talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Um, If you're near Madison, there's also a place called Natural Path Sanctuary, which is quite similar. Yes. So there's lots of options. I feel a little bit exhausted. Covered a lot of ground today. (laughs) No pun intended. (laughs) No, not this time. (laughs) Okay. Well, thank you so much for listening. This has been a bit of a heavy episode, I think, but eye-opening. I feel like I've, my perspective on death and decomposition has changed. Absolutely. After reading these things. And for the better, I think. I would agree. Yeah. 
Um, so as always, please remember to like, comment, and subscribe to the podcast. And you can reach us using using the hashtag NotYourMother'sLibrary. Um, and next month, we are going to be talking about narrative nonfiction with a special guest who is actually our children's librarian at the Oak Creek Library. So look forward to that. That's going to be really fun. All right. And also be sure to check the show notes. We'll have all of the links to everything we've talked about. Um, so if there is something specific you can't remember, just check the show notes. They'll be there. Yep. So happy reading. See you later. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Bye.